Hey guys, welcome to the inaugural Big Blue United podcast. My name is TJ and I'm here with my best friends, Colin and Dan. Uh, and we're going to talk to you about Giants from a fan's perspective. Dan, can you tell us a little more about that? Uh, yeah, TJ. Um, I was talking with Colin actually the other day about this podcast and how lucky we are to, to be able to do this. It's so, sort of been a dream since forever, you know, and, we're, and I'm trying to sit there and figure out a way you know, I'm going to break the fourth wall and, and say, you listeners, well, why should you listen to us? Why should you give us the time of the day? And that's tricky because, you know, we're not journalists. We're not in the business. We don't have access yet. We're not bloggers even. But for better or for worse, each and every one of us individually love this team. And for that reason, uh, this team has been a connection between us, between Colin, TJ, and I since uh, we were little kids. So, like, the first time I saw Colin, he was wearing a Dave Meggett jersey on the blacktop in the winter, just hucking a rubber football at, like, maybe 20 yards to a mass of 20 kids that were punching each other in the gut to catch it. First time I saw TJ, he was wearing a Soundgarden t-shirt, and I didn't know what album Black Hole Sun was on, so I had to ask him where it was so I could go pick it up at the wall later. Um, you weren't a Camelot and, guy? Well, I mean, whichever I could get to. I, the wall had the sticker, so I needed that. Oh, yeah. Um, you get... What was it, 10, 10 albums, you get a free one, and a lifetime guarantee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all to say is, is that the three of us, we go back really far, and for almost 25 years, the Giants have been something that has been the core of our relationship as friends. And to me, that's what fandom really is. It's a connection to people and a community that you have for a lifetime. Uh, and the way things are going right now, more than ever before, we need that connection. We need that community. And things are flipped upside down. We don't have that as we used to, and it's, it's tough. So what we aim to do here on the Big Blue United podcast is talk Giants. We want to be extension of the community. You know, we might not get cap numbers right or completion percentages right, but we promise not to pull any punches. Uh, we want to invite all Giants fans to come and hang out with us once a week. Um, send comments, suggestions, roast us, make fun of us. We're going to screw up. Uh, we're going to be not funny. We're going to be lame. Uh, but we're here for you. Uh, <laughs> For whatever reason, whatever purpose, you know, we can take it. Um, and, you know, next time our GM inevitably uh, trades our best player, do a toxic attitude, you know, I'll be here for you to, to cry to. But we might not. Um, Dan will yeah, certainly you guys be might, the might negative be one. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Colin will certainly be the positive one, and I'll try and be somewhere in the middle, that's for sure. <laughs> so you can expect us to cover, as TJ said, the latest news, uh, your favorite old players, stuff we miss about the stadium why I think the Giants are perpetually doomed, why Colin thinks they're on the brink, and why TJ thinks none of this matters, and we're all going to die in the end. Um, <laughs> so uh, what do you guys have to say? Anything to add to, to that uh, mission statement? Uh, well, I believe this is something that uh, we've, like you said, we've been meaning to do our whole lives, and I just can't believe we have the opportunity to do it. Uh, I think it's been nice to talk just amongst ourselves, but now we can actually share our thoughts with others and I couldn't be happier about it. I uh, can't wait to get going. Yeah, and I, I think we'd really like to thank, uh, you know, Ian, who's been running uh, Big Blue United since its inception, for giving us this opportunity as well. So, I mean, we, I guess we could just jump right into it. Um, let's hit on some current news. I guess DeAndre Baker would be a good place to start. Uh, oh, boy. Car- charged with four counts of robbery, faces 10 years to life for his uh, alleged participation in the Florida lo- robbery with uh, Seahaw- Seattle Seahawks cornerback uh, Quentin Dunbar who was not charged due to insufficient, insufficient evidence. Um, obviously, DeAndre Baker hasn't been convicted of anything yet. He's just alleged. We don't want to jump ahead of ourselves. Um, that being said, the whole story is absolutely crazy with him robbing four people at gunpoint, claiming he was playing Madden, 
then allegedly coercing these people to re redact their statements against him. Obviously, that isn't working for him because he will be going to trial. Um, as a guy you trade up for in the first round, um, how do we feel about you know this being an off pick for the Giants in terms of the character issues coming out of college, Dan? Uh, this is one of the first things that made me uh, miss Jerry Reese's uh, drafting strategy of, of getting character guys. Um, I think coming out of college, uh, DeAndre Baker was a a uh, just a premier cornerback in the top two or three in the class, but he had tons of red flags. And you you want to say as a GM or a coach, you know, I can fix that. You know, things will be different, but uh, apparently not. Uh, they could not stop stealing stuff. Um, well, Gettleman's so wisdom I, I is know. beyond, as we know. So. Yes, you can't you can't get in that brain. I would just love to hear Gettleman say something about it. Like, what do you think, Dave? Like, was this cool? Was this like the good thing to do? Does this make sense now in retrospect? I feel like Gettleman might have something to say about fake news. Uh, maybe it never happened, uh, but you know that's just a, that's just a gut reaction. He certainly does have a history of not putting the onus on himself and trying to put it on somewhere else. So. <laughs> Um, you know, I, th I think this is just a really interesting situation. Um, obviously, with the Sam, Sam Beal opting out this week as well, the Giants have signed uh, Ross Crockwell, um, former Giant, 2017. He had three picks, 11 passes defensed, uh, nine starts altogether. Played with most recently with the new addition, uh, Bradbury, down in Carolina. Um, you know, do we see him, you know, more as a backup? Or, or what, what do you guys think about that, Colin? Uh, well... I think, I mean, since he already has a little bit of an idea of how the culture is on the team and, and being here a couple of seasons ago, I think that's a benefit, I guess, uh, only in the sense of the front office, I suppose. But when it comes to the coaching staff, it's a whole new ball game. Uh, he's, I, to me, he's nothing more than a competing for that second outside cornerback role. If he ends up snagging it and doing well with it, great. If he doesn't do anything, I'm not going to be surprised either. I mean, he, he had a fairly good statistical season for us for a middle ground cornerback uh granted it was on a terrible team so he had nothing to show for it but you know i mean more bodies being thrown in there the better yeah i, I do think he's quality depth um but i will say we missed a chance to get bw webb back on the team what were we doing oh. who's asleep with the wheel there he was available oh. all, I, all I have to say is the fact that they went after him and not logan ryan uh i'm not sure what the move is there. I think Logan Ryan is waiting for a deal. And I think you get him at a, at a veteran minimum right now. I mean, I read that he, he maybe wants to play safety more than cornerback, but in terms of the talent on this team right now, he, he could be a good asset to the team. I mean, what do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I wasn't uh, versed on how much he wants. I didn't think he would go for veteran minimum, but if you can get talent like that um, at, a, at a value, obviously that's a move. But you got to figure that the new coaching staff, being a lot of Patriots guys, um, might might know him. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll we're going to definitely get into talking about the new regime today. Um, but at first, I think we just kind of need to, in our inaugural podcast, just talk about the COVID nineteen pandemic and training camp and and really where we think things are going to go. I mean. I guess the biggest question is, I mean, is, is this season going to be completed? I mean, we know it's going to start. 
<laughs> that says a lot. Well, uh, I mean, just from what I've read and, and seen the last couple of days, uh, the college football game is is the different. Um, what do you call them? The groups, the the different uh, the, conferences. Yeah, the conferences. That's it. Uh, they're dropping like flies. They're they're some of the bigger ones are, are throwing in the towel. So there is going to be a massive need and want for uh tv uh there you're gonna see nfl games on fridays and saturday nights if you're not seeing college game so that's an incredible incentive for the nfl to keep going um you know i i definitely think that there will be a season and having those games on friday saturday is going to be super important because there's no possible way that games are not going to get canceled because someone's going to get get the virus and they're going to have to cancel the game and these games are going to have to be rescheduled i mean i know we see in Tampa where the Super Bowl, Super Bowl is being held this year that they have a contingency plan to uh, put it out as much as three weeks. So I think, you know, maybe all the games will get played. They might not all get played that week. You know, we might be anticipating a Giants game to talk about, you know, the next day in the podcast. And that game might be postponed till the end of the season. You never know what's going to happen, you know. Um, I think if we look at the other leagues, you know, the MLB is very fluid with their scheduling and stuff like that. When people get the virus and they have to move, move the games around, the NFL needs to be the same way if they're not going to follow the NBA strategy. Um, do you guys think that the NFL would be better off in the bubble, maybe in Vegas, around the hotels? Or do you think, like, they can manage the virus just the way it is right now, Colin? Well, I mean, the one difficult hurdle that they have to jump over that's far greater than any other league is that everybody knows there's more players and more staff on a NFL team than there is on any other professional sport. So that is just one more uh, detail that they have to keep in mind. And I, I don't know, you, you go out somewhere like in Vegas and it, it sounds all good and fine with all the hotels and stuff, but you got people trying to go out and it would almost be better served being in somewhere like Green Bay. Who's there? Just Green Bay. So, I mean... Tourism isn't exactly going crazy. <laughs> it, it would be good to know the, the total number of personnel that would be involved in all 32 NFL teams going to one location because the, the roster size in the NFL is just so much larger than any, any other sport. And it'll, it'll only be larger now because they're allowing more players on, on, the, on the roster sure, because of in the summer. their worries of anybody coming down with something. Needless to say, this situation is fraught, and um, I'm prepared for anything. I'd like to see some football, but if it doesn't happen, you know, we can get into soccer more if you want. <laughs> um, I think another thing, you know, we, we kind of need to talk about involving this is really what training camp has evolved to into this year. So there's only 14 padded practices in all of training camp. I think Judge the other day just had the first opportunity to speak to the whole team at once, see the whole team practicing at once. Um, the season's starting soon, and there's no preseason to evaluate anybody. I mean, obviously, this is going to have an effect on, on everyone's conditioning, everyone's you know preparedness, especially with the new coaching staff. But number one, I think the rookies' development is really where it hits the most, and especially on a team with a lot of young guys. Um, Colin, do we, do we, where do we see our rookies this year? Are we going to have development? I know we need Andrew Thomas to come out after Nate Solder opted out. Well, the only positive that I can see is the – you know, outlook of being thrown into the fire. They don't have time to develop. It's either you, you put up or you shut up. So in a way, that could be a good thing because there's just even more added pressure on each player. Uh, also, at the same time, there's less pressure because 
of everything going on. If they fail, they ha almost have a mulligan of a year. It's like, well, you can blame COVID. You can blame COVID this, whatever. You know, it, it, it's almost as if they can be a little more relaxed with it as long as their safety is, uh, you know, the most paramount and being taken care of. Yeah, I mean, obviously taking care of the players is number one. We don't want to spread this around them any more than we have to do. Um, I'm just, you know, a little interested. Like, how do the coaches really have a chance to evaluate anyone? Like, do you just decide the death chart based upon the pedigree of the player or the last season or where they're coming from? I mean, Dan, what do you think about that? I mean, evaluating rookies is going to be extremely difficult. I don't know if this is an opportunity for the Giants coaching staff to lean on statistics more, um, being that college statistics hardly translate to the NFL game. Um, but maybe you have to rely more on raw numbers, more uh, drills. Um, but the thing you have to remember is that every team's in the same boat. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, how with the limited practices, um, the regular season, the beginning of the regular season, has turned into a, sort of a de facto uh, preseason. So I think that just might extend a little bit longer this year. Hopefully they can get up to stuff and, and you know, play safely. Um, and we'll have a good product at some point if we make it there this season. It's possible that uh, mental reps, as they say, will be even more important. I think the players will be more scrutinized uh, about how quickly they pick up the playbook. Uh, how do you think coaches are going to evaluate mental reps, though? I don't. I say that as it's corny. <laughs> you laugh at me. I understand this. But what I mean by that is they're just going to look at how quickly they pick up the playbook. If you've got sure. one guy screwing up one route in one play... Uh, over and over again, the next guy up is going to be more, it's going to be a more fluid thing. I would say do the Jamarcus uh, Russell method and, and give them a blank tape of film and, and then see if they lie about <laughs> if they watched it or not. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I, 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 I think Tried and true. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, how are we going to talk about the Giants this year if we don't talk about the new regime coming in, Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, Patrick Graham, and, and the implications of the new schemes they're going to put in uh, with the players around them. Obviously, a lot of young guys, especially quarterback Daniel Jones, all eyes are on him. Um, so, I mean, look, we have 15 new assistants, six returning coaches, tons of guys from the Pats in Alabama, um, some guys who have never coached the NFL before, some guys with a great deal amount of experience in the NFL, some guys who have never played in the NFL, but some guys who have. So there's a lot of diversity in our coaching staff this year. Obviously, it starts at the top with Joe Judge. 15 years coaching, uh, Pat's special teams coordinator for eight years, and wide receivers coach last year as well, for whatever reason. Um, and I think the most important thing on his resume you'll see is five championships, three with the Patriots and two with Alabama in college. Um, what is the culture that Joe Judge is bringing to the Giants, Dan? I mean, I think the Maras and the Tishes hope it's that Patriots, uh, you know, do your job culture. Um, I feel like they bought into that pretty hard. Um, but, you know, with the season being so wacky and having no contact and having almost an entire overhaul of the, the, the staff, you know, Colin mentioned it before with the players that there might be a sort of a built-in excuse, um, which is probably, you know, not going to make anyone sleep better at night. But you also have to look at the Giants and where they are right now as before the season stands. Um, they were, they're 12 and 36 over the last three seasons, the worst schedule in the, the worst record in the NFL. Um, haven't beat the Cowboys, the Eagles, um, in, in, since 2016. Um, so there's only up, you know, ahead of us. So the Giants also, uh, via ESPN, uh, I guess it was an article or, 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 uh, 
I don't know, what was that where, where they rated the Giants as the number two team with under 25 talent, 25 year old talent? Yeah. I don't think that I would like to credit that article, but I don't think there was a name on it. Um, but, you know, that's promising. So this Joe Judge regime should have all the pieces to, to move upwards. Uh, that's, that being said, I'm not expecting, you know, a miracle here, but I, I feel like an improvement is definitely uh, reasonable to expect. Uh, I think uh, I agree with you with the whole Patriots uh, allure that they uh, that the Maras and the Tishes wanted to grab again, but I think also too that they are uh, they're missing old Tommy Coughlin, and um, I think this is a combination of the two kind of viewpoints. Uh, you got that kind of at least seemingly hard ass kind of demeanor from Joe Judge that uh, he he seems to be like uh, he's not going to take crap from anybody. Which personally I like. I mean, after the Shermers and the 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 Macadonts of the world, you you kind of have to have someone who's going to be the adult in the room. And uh, ironically enough, he's going to be the youngest coach I I believe the Giants have ever had. So really, how old I, is he? I, he's thirty eight years old. Oh wow, which is wild. Uh, and but you know what? He seems like he's fifteen years older than me, and I don't understand it. Well, we're all older than Sean McVay, so at least there's that going for that's, us. You're not older than Joe Judge. That's a fair point. Um, I mean, so, yeah, you know, I, I love his Belichick impression he's doing all the time where he didn't couldn't mention players by name in the beginning of the season. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now I, I, Leonard Williams comes to camp with a non-football injury, and they ask him about it. He goes, we're not allowed to talk about that. So, obviously, he's bringing <laughs> that Belichick stuff in. And, you know, when Belichick wasn't there, he was running the room in New England, which I think – is sort of why he was hired by the, by the Giants. I mean, he's a special teams coordinator, but there's not, you know, there's precedent to why he can succeed with, with John Harbaugh, um, it, with the Ravens, uh, going special teams to winning uh, a Super Bowl. So um, do, do we think him being a special teams coach really holds him back? Obviously, he won't be calling plays. Does that give him an advantage, Dan? I think, yeah, special teams coaches are surprisingly well-suited to the head coach position. Uh, they deal with players that, that play on both sides of the ball. They understand you know, those players' responsibility on their specific offense and defensive uh, positional uh, routes, but they also have to work a lot on the fly. So when someone gets injured and replaces a, a starter on the defense, they pull another guy into the special teams unit, and there's a lot of overturn and a lot of thinking on your toes. So hopefully that ability to be flexible and, and you know really apply what Belichick has done in, in New England with by, by creating your uh, schemes and offensive defense around your talent um, is really what I'm hoping he brings to the table. Yeah, because you know that's the thing about special teams coaches they get to work with every position group. It's not just the wide receivers or the defense or the offense. They get to see guys from all over the place. So they do have influence upon, especially like the you know younger guys or, or the, not the starters who are going to be on special teams. They have influence over all those guys. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think uh, it's definitely going to be uh, driven into this team's head collectively that versatility is king. Um, and that comes from the special teams kind of point of view. You, you play multiple positions and you're going to know them and you're going to own them. So that means you're going to get uh, a left tackle playing left guard or right guard and just getting more reps in those different kinds of positions because everybody needs to be in it with their head. And I like that. I think you're totally right, Colin. I think, you know, the number one hurdle to, for him to pass right now as a head coach is, is getting people to buy in. So it was, it was cool to hear that um, some of the veterans were um, uh, imbuing the, the rookies with uh, Giants history, sort of give them the feel for, 
you know, where they are. They're, they are at a historical franchise, um, though we've been much maligned, aside from sort of two miracle Super Bowls. Um, and, uh, and I just think that if he can get people to buy in early, the sooner the better, then if he's going to do this Belichick act, then it then has a chance to work. You have to believe and you have to respect your head coach for that to go anywhere. If the players don't buy in, then, then we're sort of screwed. Yeah. Uh, but just a quick, quick trivia question for you guys. See if you know, who is the longest tenured giant right now? Uh, I'm going to say, um, Sterling Shepard. It's Sterling Shepard is true. But <laughs> how long has he even been? <laughs> he hasn't been on this team that long. It's only on the second deal. So that just really goes to show you, how young this team is and, and who Joe Judge is coaching. And I know we, we already touched on, you know, this sort of being a honeymoon season for him with, with the stipulations and what's going on. That being said, I don't think that's a bad thing for, for a first-year coach. And, and I think if the Giants just make posit- any positive strides this year, I, I think that's a, that's a definite win for him. I mean, what do you think, Colin? I think it's possible that he is going to be given the opportunity to – for lack of better words, set his culture. He's going to have more time to focus on the little details that he may not be able to in a regular season because of that excuse kind of nature of things, which is good because they might even come out of this a closer team than they would have anyway. And if that works for years down the line, great. I mean, this season, you can throw it away. If they end up playing and it ends up working out, great. It's all a learning process. They become a team that can button up and pay attention to the details and really instill that this year when they don't really have to worry about winning and losing. That would be a win in my book. Agreed. I'm, I'm with you guys 100%. Uh, and I think that those strides can be made depending, you know, the future has a lot of uncertainty right now, but we'll see where it goes. I mean, what we need to look at beyond Judge is really who's, who he surrounds himself with, the hires he made. Um, obviously, that's going to start with Daniel Jones' development, who will be Developing Daniel Jones, none other than Jason Garrett, former Cowboys head coach and former Giants quarterback. Um, obviously, being a quarterback, being a former quarterback is huge um, for for uh, development of Jones. Um, you know, we want to look at. Look, I know we all have our feelings about Jason Garrett, obviously, just because he, he was on the wrong team for so many years. But I mean, look, Romo was undrafted. He became a top ten. 15 quarterback in his heyday. Dak Prescott, fourth round pick. Um, you know, people really give him a lot of, uh, you know, disparaging remarks and stuff, you know, us included. I don't think he's, he's as good as people tout him out to be, but he could be in the same realm of a top 15, top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Um, my question is, are we happy about Jason Garrett bringing up Daniel Jones or are we upset about it, Dan? I don't, I don't, I'm upset I don't know if upset's the right word. I'm just unenthused uh, about the selection of Garrett as the offensive coordinator. I'm hoping that our quarterback coach is more interesting and more able to bring up uh, Daniel Jones. I don't have a ton of faith in Jason Garrett um, based on the style of offense he liked to run and his sort of risk-adverse nature. Um, I sort of give credit to uh, the quarterback coaches who are sort of highly heralded uh, in in Dallas for for Dak's sort of rise was Kellen Moore and John Kitna, both guys that were uh, suggested for offensive coordinator positions. Kellen Moore got it. John Kitna, I think, might be in the mix or be an offensive coordinator somewhere. I'm not totally sure, but he apparently is a great coach. Um, that being said, I, I, I think having such a young head coach, it'll be beneficial to have Jason Garrett in the room, a guy that has 
tons of head coaching experience um, and sort of solidify things and, and help steer the ship if things should go sideways. Yeah, I mean, you have nine and a half years with the Cowboys, 85 and 64, um, three NFC East titles. Cowboys had best-rated offense in the NFL last year, finished top 10 eight times. Um, Garrett has had success as an offensive coordinator. Now he doesn't have to be head coach and make those bonehead decisions he's been making. You know, Colin, what do you think about him? Uh, I was You just took the words right out of my mouth. I think he is better served and for his entire career better served as an offensive coordinator. I don't think he was head coaching material, and I think that's why the Cowboys didn't do anything under him of worth. I think he's right where he needs to be, and he needed to get out of there and kind of reinvent himself, I guess. I, I don't have a... a a ton of confidence in him per se, but I think if he's going to be successful again in the NFL, this is going to be the way he's going to do it. Sort of like a Wade Phillips situation. Absolutely. Maybe. You know what? You know what the scary part is, though. If if the if Judge fails in the next few years, who do you think is going to be head coach of the Giants? Oh, dude. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, right. I, I do have to add something. I have to add something. I have a thing, and I'm sure you guys can appreciate this. I, I'm not a fan of people's faces, especially in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> and and if, if anybody Googles Jason Garrett pictures, he looks like an absolute psychopath, and it's off-putting. So, I mean, take it as you will. Isn't it like the end of Step Brothers at the Catalina Wine Mixer? Is just like I just I really like you, but it's just something about your face. I just want to hit it so much. Absolutely, <laughs> Rob Riggle had it perfect on that. Yeah, so, so Daniel Jones throws uh, four thousand yards and uh, and and thirty touchdowns, and you still want to punch Jason Garrett in the face? Oh yeah, <laughs> probably. Well, you know, I know he's not an, a sexy hire. He's not a, a young guy with a hot shot offense. He's still like running the air croil from all those years ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's had no success in the playoffs, really. Cowboys never reached past the divisional round. I like him as, as offensive coordinator. I do. And I think his, he's played – he was last at Dallas, but he played for the Giants, too. You can never forget that. Which I know for us is, is a big, bigger deal than it might be for somebody else who, like, isn't so invested in the team for so long. Uh, also, he, he did play as um, a number. Uh, his jersey number was um, one of uh, another quarterback that we mentioned in the teaser that uh, will not be named. Uh, he was number 17. So, I mean, say as we, yeah, so. And, 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 and you know what? Daniel Jones decided to be number eight instead of his college number 17, and I think he was smart. Yeah, that's, that's a, a dastardly heritage to, to follow. <laughs> um, and, you know, following, following Justin Garrett from um, – Dallas as someone who I think is, is my my favorite addition to the coaching staff is Mark Colombo. Um, coached a great Dallas line, guys like Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, Tyson Smith, all pro bowlers, all pros. Um, I'm just happy about this signing, and and we have a guy like Andrew Thomas coming in to learn from him. And Mark Colombo was a, was a pretty good NFL player too. I need to mention that. So Colin, what, what do we think about how he's going to develop uh, Andrew Thomas and the rest of the offensive line moving forward? This was one of those love-hate kind of things. He's another guy, hated his face, hated him when he was a cowboy. Absolutely hated him. He was kind of a giant jerk, no pun intended. He was just one of that. He was one of those guys that was fighting with everybody he was playing. Except I kind of like him coming to the team now because he's got that, that grit, that fight. I, I think he, and clearly the track record for being able to coach. And he's a young guy in, ter- in the world of coaching. So who better? I'm fine with it. Yeah, he, he was an exciting uh, appointment uh, for sure. I, you got to hope that he picked up stuff coaching the best offensive line in the NFL for uh, what does it look like three years. Um, so if anyone has the exposure to that type of stuff, he does, and hopefully it'll translate over. 
I mean, Thomas's development is so huge with Solder opting out. So we hope that we get there. I mean, if we want to talk about a couple more assistants uh, with that championship pedigree, we can go to Burton Burns. Um, the running backs coach was at Alabama 07-17. Coach Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson. Yeah, okay. Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. So, I mean, a lot of those guys have been hugely successful in the NFL. I mean, Mark Ingram is a guy I look at too because it's not just – that he was great. He wasn't. He was an all-time great, but he has had longevity. Derrick Henry it looks like an all-time great right now. We'll see how that goes. Josh Jacobs had a cr- crazy good season in the beginning of the uh, crazy good season last year. Um, you know, it's just another example of a championship pedigree. Uh, in what you know, the Giants have. You know, do you think Judge is just going out finding guys he used to work with that he really enjoys, which I think is great. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what he's doing. We'll see as we go through the rest of the coaches that a lot of these guys are um, are friends, people that he's worked with before, spent a lot of time with, done crappy stuff with. Um, and particularly, uh, you know, for a running backs coach, I don't think running backs matter too much, but we do have the best running back in the NFL. Um, so hopefully he can keep him healthy. I don't know how much coaching he has to do for Saquon because he's – you know, a singular talent, but, um, you know, maybe he can bring up some of the guys behind him and give Saquon a break. Cause I think there's a lot of tread on those tires. Great point. That's getting worn away. So maybe we can uh, learn to preserve Saquon and keep him fresh for, uh, you know, a full season. And I think Dion Lewis is a, a fine signing for uh, a fine veteran signing for someone that has a little bit, uh, well, a very, very big different kind of style to him, but one that I think that can be utilized, especially on third downs. Uh, he could be that spell guy too. You can have him wherever, but, um, these, you know, I think he'll pay dividends. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, Saquon needs to work on his run blocking. So I think maybe if, if Burton can, can get that out of him and we need Deion Lewis less in the field, that would be better because Saquon is a tackle breaking machine out of the backfield when he gets passed, uh, passed to, I think it's something like 33% of, of the passes he caught out of the backfield to broke a tackle on. Um, I know we touched on that before, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'd be remiss not to mention that Freddie Kitchens is also on this team right now, coaching the tight ends. Yeah, baby. Hey, that's what, so we got two, two people with uh, head coaching experience for sure. Um, so, I mean, we want to talk about Freddie Kitchens. Do we actually want to talk about Freddie Kitchens? <laughs> I mean, I, I will say he that there Jason was, Wins. I don't know. There, there was good hype basically around Freddie Kitchens prior to last season when he actually became a head coach. So some people believed him. Um, him was along with Todd Munkin and, and that, that Browns offense. I don't know who the, to point the finger at for why that was such a miserable failure. Um, so, I mean, I don't have super high expectations for Freddie Was Kitchens, he calling the players seemed to like him. on offense? Because that might have been the problem, which I think is going to be a benefit to the Giants that uh, Garrett will be calling the plays and Judge will not be. I think... I think Todd Munkin might have been calling the plays. He, Todd Munkin's one of these dudes that like a lot of people love and think he's like really progressive and, and, and calls really creative games, but something got lost in translation over there. Munkin uh, came from Tampa Bay when they were, they were scoring a lot of points. Um, so, you know, Kitchens is fine. Like, again, I think he's a player's coach, and, and player, if he's just a tight ends coach, like what, what damage can he really do? Mm-hmm. I, I guess one benefit to him is a, he's coached a lot of different positions. So this is another uh, dip back into the versatility. So it, I think he might be able to, you know, help another position group when he needs to and give Judge the opportunity to focus in on one thing or the other. And, you know, and that ties into the fact that he was a former head coach, albeit a failed one, doesn't matter. 
I mean, plenty of guys fail at head coach, but really succeed as assistants and coordinators. So, I mean, and, and, you know, even with a young coach, even if Freddie Kitchens failed, he still has experience doing that. Judge does not. So we can't really knock, you know, him coaching a certain position group on offense. I mean, he clearly had enough success to be promoted within, you know, maybe not the most highly touted organization in the NFL, but still an organization in the NFL nonetheless. Um, and, you know, if we want to keep talking about the pass catchers, we can talk about uh, – Tyke Tolber, wide receivers coach, who is one of the other coaches who was held over from the last regime. And I totally understand why he was. Uh, we saw how Slayton developed last year. Tate and Shepard both had solid years. This group is not, um, you know, particularly well-talented, but still still there's a lot of guys that, you know, are, are playing well. What do you guys think? I, I think that he's got plenty to work with. Um, you know, we'll get into more detail on, on the wide receivers. Um in, in upcoming episodes, but I feel like he's always been spoke about highly um, around the locker room uh, as far as, you know, whatever we've read in the past few seasons. Players seem to like him. He seems to get um, a lot out of him. He did a great job with Slayton last year. Um, so hopefully he can continue to progress um, who we already have and, and bring on some late-round picks and, and free agents that we have on the team. All right, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the offense – We'll see how it goes with, with Garrett at the helm. Um, and we want to move on to defense. We can talk about, you know, Patrick Graham, who was uh, will be the assistant head coach as well. Dolphins uh, defensive coordinator last year was with Judge in New England for a while. Um, he was actually with the Giants as the defensive line coach in 2016-2017. Uh, Giants had the most improved defense uh, that in the league that year. So that's, that, you know, he's been with the team. He knows the mares. He knows the tishes. That's a, that's a really good thing, I think. And, uh, he you know, as much as we want to – Look at the Dolphins last year. They obviously were terrible, but I think they were. He was set up to fail, and down the stretch that year, they really, you know, took some positive strides on defense, especially trading away their best player, making Fitzpatrick to the Steelers. I mean, uh, you know, Colin, what do you think about him coming on as defensive coordinator? Well, this is one of the first times in probably the last twenty years where we signed a defensive coordinator or a coordinator in general that I just really didn't have a good. Uh, uh, what's the word? A good uh, idea about. I just I don't know a hell of a lot about this guy. I mean, I see his resume, but like he's been in a lot of situations where he wasn't able to show what he can actually do, uh, given it you know whatever talent he had around him, organization, so on and so forth. But it might be one of those kind of situations where this is what he needed, and he's got enough people around him who he's got tons of trust and experience with. And maybe he's just going to have the opportunity to blossom. I don't know. Yeah, that's the hope. I think, uh, you know, looking back at a season with the Dolphins, it wasn't great, obviously. But I think uh, you saw a lot out of the Dolphins towards the end of the season. I think they didn't quit and they didn't give up. And those are things that you can hopefully uh, draw lines back to the coach with. Um, And, again, I think this goes back to the philosophy we're hoping that Judge instills on the team. You know, we might not know exactly what his signature defense is, but hopefully that defense is – more amorphous and more tailored to the talent that we have. Yeah, I really think what he's going to have to do is, you know, bring that, you know, he did work for the Patriots uh, as a linebacker coach. I think he's going to have to bring that, you know, sort of mentality where we need to, you know, do a lot more scheme changes, a lot more adjustments at halftime, just because the Giants don't really have the personnel, you know, otherwise to do so. Um, obviously, we would like lack a star pass rusher, but there are four guys who can rush the pass on this team with Fackrell, um, Carter is a menace. Gold, Marcus Golden coming back. So I hope, you know, we can see some fun packages that he could put out there with maybe having four of those guys on the field, three of them at once. 
Uh, you know, maybe we can get a throwback to the, you know, Kiwanuka Tuck OC Strahan days with the NASCAR package, which is always a fun one. Uh, one of the Super Bowl, if I don't, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, I, I think the biggest issue we might have is just with the, the shortened off season is getting the players, you know, up to date with the scheme, if it's complicated or not. Um, Colin, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, this can tie right into Sean Spencer, the D-line uh, coach, who, from what I remember seeing when we signed him, he's an absolute psychopath, pump-up hype guy. Like, he's the guy who screams right in your face. And coach gets, Chaos is his name. He's, he's going to hype everybody on that line. And if it, we end up, hopefully, having one of those rotational situations where you get the fresh legs out there, and he's the guy amping everybody up, well, that in itself is... I, I love that. I, I don't know a lot about his intellect and his scheme and how he'll work with Graham, but I, you can't help having a, a, a you know, you can't, it can't hurt having a motivator. Yeah, I feel like that's something the Giants have been missing a lot. It's been a lot of sort of going through the motions and lackadaisical, even keeled, you know, not getting ruffled stuff on the sidelines. And that's maybe, maybe why someone like ODB stood out so much. Um, but it'll be nice to have a fiery, uh, you know, personality to, to get behind. I mean, I, I just love that he's, you know, really has a lot of – his defenses are really good at sacking the quarterback. 40-plus uh, sacks in three seasons at Penn State. Love and they it. led college football in sacks in 2015-2018, which is great. Um, do you think, like, the hogs on the line are really molly enough to pull off this scheme or not? Or <laughs> should, do we need more – do we need bigger hogs or more molly? I, I just can't decide. I can't figure it out. What do you guys think about that? I think before we get into it, I think we need to – uh, maybe not right now, but we need to put this on the board, put a pin in it. We need to develop a scale, maybe a pork scale, to figure out the evolution of the hogginess of these mollies. Yes, 100%, um, 100%. So do we start with piglets? Do we start with, with, with sows? How does this go, and how do we rate this? Because we need to get scientific about it. I also think, too, do we go with different hogs for both sides of the ball? You got regular hogs for the offense, and then you got maybe wild boars for the defense? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, Gettleman, Gettleman had called uh, Leonard Williams a hog molly when he, when he traded for him. So I think the term encompasses all linemen no matter who they are or where they're playing what about just anybody that's that's fat like i could be a hog <laughs> like, yeah, that's like cool. jared lorenzen rest in peace by the way uh he was he a hog molly oh absolutely he's a swamp hog i mean the last time i used him was uh running basically quarterback sneaks on a fourth down if i remember correctly yeah yeah <laughs> i think he had a hundred percent percentage of uh uh successive First downs every time. Uh, he, he's a big man yeah. and, a, and, a, and, a, and a good person as well. I think Lorenzen was hard to tackle, not because he was 300 pounds, but because he smelt really bad. <laughs> Just like him and Will Beattie were like the stinkiest people <laughs> that ever existed. Well, Will oh, Beattie man. was a greasy man. He, he, all his, that picture, I remember that picture with his gold chain and it's just his face. It was just a greasy. Choker. Yeah, choker, like a gold choker necklace. I didn't get it. Anyway. Well, I mean, you know, all we can hope is that this defense of line can get a little more after the quarterback, especially with Leonard Williams being, you know, touted as a guy who could do that coming out of college. We never really saw it. One Pro Bowl berth with the Jets. I mean, we'll get into this uh, when we talk about the defense in a later episode, but terrible, terrible trade. Um, we, we, I mean, I don't know if we have to say anything else. We'll just move yeah, on. Yeah, just move on. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that one real good. Yeah, sure. So that could bring us to, you know, talking about the linebackers coach with Brett Bellema and Kevin Scherer. Um, Bellema was with Arkansas and Wisconsin's head coach, spent time with Judge New England. 27 years coaching experience, but not in the NFL. I mean, we have those two young outside linebackers and Carter and Zimenez. 
does he relate better to these young guys than an NFL coach does, or does that not matter? Is this a disadvantage for our team right now or not, Colin? Uh, I think because of how young the team is, it could only help, especially because of the uncertainty of what's going on. Uh, they can all grow together. I mean, yes, he, he's got the experience of being a head, a head coach in college, at least. So he's got the experience end of things, but still knows how to understand a younger player. So I think it's a positive. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what we don't, you know, we don't know until we see it going on. I know we're trying to delve into these side coaches or whatever, but I think one of the more interesting guys is uh, Jerome Henderson, the defensive back coach, because I think this is most the most exciting unit on the Giants' defense uh, with with all the young talent we we have over here. Um, you know, he's a former defensive back coach with Jets, Browns, and Cowboys, uh, with the Falcons the year they won the or the year they lost famously lost the Super Bowl. I should rather say. Um, he worked with Garrett in Dallas and also a seven-year NFL vet. Do you, do you guys think that a coach who has NFL experience as a player is necessarily always better than a, than a coach who did not, Dan? I mean, I think all things outside of that being equal, sure. Um, that gives you automatic credibility with your players. Um, you know, we played football together and at a very 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 low level but um, I, I can tell you like when you hear like a coach you know got looks at from college programs and stuff you, you definitely perk up and, and really want to hear what he has to say so uh, that's got to be true for professional level coaches um, there's just a little more gravitas um, especially his exposure to those particular teams all had strong secondaries um, at the times he was there so don't know a ton about him probably should have done a little more research but he worked with a lot of great players yeah, I mean, I guess we can just hit on the special teams real quick. You know, Thomas uh, McGaughy, who was a holdover from last year's regime. Um, the Giants were probably, arguably, a really good special teams uh, unit last year. Uh, seventh overall, uh, third in punt return yards, second in kickoff coverage, among, you know, other good stats. Um, I mean, it's totally obvious why Judge would keep him around, being a special teams coach himself. Um I mean, is Judge really going to be looking at special teams and helping out? I mean, obviously, he's going to look, be looking over everything. We know that. But, I mean, can, can, uh, can Thomas just sort of keep doing his thing, Colin? I think he's going to let him do his thing with the idea that Judge will put in his input from time to time. I, I just have a feeling that's the way it's going to be. I don't think he's going to be full-on hands-on and making it, you do this, this is the kind of thing we're doing. Because, you know, and, and which is very similar to how, how all Giants teams are. It's either one unit is really good and two units are mediocre or one is horrible or vice versa. It's never everybody running all at once. And, of course, we were going to have one of the better special teams units last year. And it's just kind of disappointing. I wish that would carry on when you know offense and defense are rolling on all cylinders. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's going to be his uh, game to play until it's clear Judge might have to meddle with it a little bit. Yeah, you got to think, Judge being a special teams coach, he'll emphasize that. And, and also to go with the pedigree and the Patriots way that we think he'll be instilling, you know, they always emphasize the importance of special teams as being an equal uh, function to offense and defense. So you got to think there'll be an emphasis on keeping that team up to par or, or you know, exceptional, if anything. I mean, you know, people, it's not just them. Everyone thinks, got to think special teams is just as important as the two because that can swing games so hard. I mean, do you guys remember when the Colts played the Bears in the Super Bowl and the first uh, play of the game was a Devin Hester kick return for a touchdown? I know they lost that game, but it would have been not even as close to a competitive without special teams being involved. 
especially when they had Saints. Rex, Rex yeah. Grossman as quarterback. So, I mean, that's just like one example, but I obviously see this all the time. You know, I, I'm just curious, uh, you know, obviously Rosas is gone with his uh, domestic, uh, or his DUI rather. Um, what, they brought in Cotanzaro, who spent time with the Jets. Do, what do you guys think about this guy? Is he an adequate replacement for Rosas? Because, I mean, he didn't play that great last year, right? Uh, yeah, Rosas with, well, took a step back. That's that's the facts. I mean, he had his best season, was it two, uh, two seasons ago? or, or I, I can't remember off the top of my head now. But he, I don't know what happened last year. It just kind of like the wheels fell off. So, I mean, I think Cotanzaro's... Uh, I don't know. To me, it just it screams. Let's bring a veteran in with the idea of maybe uh, eventually throwing in a young kid and see what ends up happening. Similar to um, uh, what's his name, Brandon McManus, who's the the kicker for the, the Broncos. I wish we still had him. He was great in camp, and I, I'm I'm just curious why we let him go. He had a huge leg, and he was good. So I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, how much do kickers matter for teams that aren't going to be competing? Fair. I mean likely aren't going to be competing for, you know, a Super Bowl. Um, hopefully he'll be, you know, better than average. That, that's all I can say. There's no reason to believe he'll be, like, a great kicker, but um, as long as he's not missing, like, extra points. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see someone young come in and compete with him for sure. And, I, you know, I know you say they're not competing for a Super Bowl. That's fine. But, like, you know, we need to see more wins than we did last year, I think, is important. I mean, you know, we can always, you know, want to get a better draft pick or whatnot and move forward that way, but... You know, positive strides eventually lead to the Super Bowl. If you look at, like, the Chiefs or whatever, but when they had Alex Smith, they were a great team. And then you add one guy, and all of a sudden, I'll be at its quarterback. But all of a sudden, you're winning, winning the Super Bowl. Um, so, you mean, that sounds like a good way to kind of send it off. I know Colin probably wants to mention um, one of his favorite Giants of all time retiring this week. So, we'll touch well, on that. Colin, do you want, like, taps in the background? Do you want some... Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know why you guys are making fun of me so much. I mean, he... he... Zach Diossi. You're the most sentimental one ever. I used to long snap to you when you were a quarterback in Pop Warner, man. And I know you were a long snapper in, in uh, Varsity High School, so the long snapper is a very important position to you. It, it is dear to my heart. It was the only Varsity position that I held, and very briefly at that. And I <laughs> uh, I was proud of that. I, I My dad told me if you're going to learn any – you're going to have a job if you have a skill. So – I learned how to do it, and Zach Diossi was incredible. He's a a legacy guy. His dad was a a, a long snapper and linebacker for years for the Giants. He won a Super Bowl himself. I think that's the only father-son-for-one-team stat who have won a Super Bowl ever in the NFL. That's that's an awesome stat, really. Yeah. And, I mean, it was him and Eli. Those were the last two guys from, from... the longest tenure. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he was on the team forever, man. He was, he, he, he was. He part barely of the, played um, linebacker. Yeah. He was part of the uh, the 2007 draft, and that was a great draft. And he was the last guy from it. Hmm. Well, I, I think this is a good place to end it for today. And yeah, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to our inaugural podcast. We'll be back next week with uh, you know a defensive or offensive preview, and we'll be hitting on a lot of different topics moving forward. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Please follow us, Big Blue United, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good night. See you later. See you.